Chapter 4. Originality. We were on the boat to Ephesus. My plan was to find a moment with the preacher and suggest to him that I should return to Troas after we had landed in Ephesus. One evening on the boat, the preacher approached me. He had seen something deeper in my eyes that night. His question was simple, what really happened the other night? My opening question was as good as it could be. How can you say that in Christ, the citizen, the slave and the freeman are all alike? Have you been a freeman or slave? Have you grown up watching your parents, struggle against a system favoring the citizen or lived life literally as the property of another man? How can you understand what it is like to move from being a freeman to a citizen or slave to being a freeman? How can you even think of understanding or speak about the pain and rejection of a slave? Our discussion went something like this. You have raised these questions using the analogy of our current social structure. Let's take a step back. Would you agree with me that the social classes that we are attached to are a human construct? That they find their origin in man and history, not in the mind of God? I suppose, so I replied. Don't you see the problem? The act of attaching myself to any part of that which is man-made begs some questions. Is that all I really am? A construct of others. Am I restricted to the man-made box I have been put in? These questions burn equally in us all irrespective of which man-made class we are part of. Look at it this way. You would agree that I cannot attach myself equally to all things. A man cannot be equally a citizen, a freeman and slave. This is no different if the attachment is something that is culturally enforced, say like that the different clothes that different classes wear. The thing that we choose to define ourselves will always imprison us in some way. So, I am a citizen of Rome. Of course, this is a more fortunate a position to be in that being a slave. But am I not more than a citizen? Just as the slave is more than his being owned by another. I would hope so. I said as I tried to keep track. And obviously, when I am honest about my status as a citizen, it is clear that this status is something given to me. I did not earn it. I was born a citizen, and I did not choose who my parents would be. Only God knew beforehand, and he allowed it. Not only that, but he gives each of us a kingdom-based purpose in the time and place and social environment that we are born into. In this way, God's purpose for our lives, whatever it is, is not limited by these kind of things. But what about something that is made or earned? Is that not different? I asked. Even earning my place in society does not escape the depth of the question. I know many who have built villas and earned lots of money who struggle. Is my value dependent upon only on my money? Am I not more than the works of my hands? King Solomon spells this out quite clearly in his writings. So why is it, I asked, that when do you think Jesus spoke of denying or letting go of those things we hold tightly, things connected to our culture, our tribe, our family, or our achievements? Well simply because, as he said, no person can serve two masters, in the same way that no one person can ride two horses at the same time.
we are all slaves to something. Being a slave is something every man knows something about, in the sense that it is something he is connected to that he cannot let hold of. I replied, so, what does the word deny mean? For surely it cannot be that our culture, our tribe, our family, or our achievements are entirely unimportant or irrelevant. For clearly such things still have importance in our lives. For sure they do. But we all need to ensure that the value we place on these things is appropriate, as such things are ultimately only of secondary importance, not of primary importance. Look at it this way. Scripture is clear. Before we are born, we are given a unique purpose and makeup. This purpose and makeup then finds expression in the time and space we are born. In this way everyone is an original, and all these things collectively come together to represent our originality. This speaks to what we are, and what God has meant each of us to be. This is why I so often state that all are equal in God's eyes. While it goes against everyday culture, especially where culture is built off the inequality of some kind as most cultures are, connecting to our originality is the doorway to meaning. The reason is simple. Our originality is the foundation of each man and woman's primary true identity. It is our root. It is not something that we decide on, or cling to or create. This is not an originality based on chance or generated by mankind in some way, rather it is God's original intent for the individual. It is a gift from God who was and is interested enough in each of us to give it to us. And it follows, that accessing this primary originality requires that we submit all things to this originality. Since all things are in Jesus Christ, this originality can only be truly found through Christ, as in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. From this perspective, to become a Christian means to connect into our true originality. Okay, I said, so that is why Jesus said that those who lose their lives for my sake will gain them. But how do I escape from holding on to those things that are so important to me? Well every man and woman coming to Christ has this in common. They must accept that all that all they hold dear is secondary to their originality. For it is our originality that gives these all things right and proper context. Of course, this does not mean that things like our culture, or tribe, or family, or achievements are unimportant, they are extremely important, and so can be fully embraced, but they are just not primary in the sense that they are more important than God's plan for each of us in Jesus, like everything, there may be a time when they must be laid at the cross. I was now connecting to the argument, and I suppose coming to believe requires a reconciliation between the primary and secondary attachments. That it is possible that some of the things that we are connected to or find ourselves clinging to may be in conflict with our originality. And that we may need to abandon these. Yes. And we all struggle with this. I did. I grew up and lived in a Greek city, was a Jewish theologian and a Roman citizen. Try work that one out. Ultimately, I had to submit all these under my primary originality, and accept that I needed to give up some things I held so dear. Everyone has things that they picked up along the way that are in conflict with their originality, that they need to deny and lose. 
God's purpose for all of us is to live and move and have our being in Christ's purpose for us, and anything that is in conflict with this, anything that is secondary but which we cling to as primary, anything that is secondary which has not been discarded, no matter how difficult it is to do, will stand in the way of this purpose for our lives. Hiding it does not help. Eventually, Christ will require that we deal with it. But why is it so important to submit all that is secondary to our originality? I asked. Because of meaning, true meaning arises from alignment with our originality. There is no higher meaning than being and living what God intended when He formed you in your mother's womb. This kind of thinking transcends our life on earth and connects us into God's kingdom on earth. It enables the finite action to be connected to God's infinite plan, the mundane to become sublime. None of this is possible when we elevate the secondary above our primary originality. But what about freedom? I asked. Is being free and have freedom to choose not a source of meaning? Yes and no exercising moral choice is the way to meaning. That is how we were made. As Adam and Eve exercised moral choice in their rebellion so we are able to exercise moral choice to be reconciled to God through Christ and exercise moral choice to live our lives based on our originality. But when use the gift of moral choice to choose what is not part of our originality, as Adam and Eve did, it is a choice that is called sin. We may be free to choose, but we are never free from the consequences of our free choices. Thus, no choice is entirely free, because no choice is free from consequence. Of course, much of what is secondary can be part of our originality, and in such case choosing these things is fine. But not always. It follows that the hardest is often when there is something secondary in our lives that we cannot let go of. It becomes a stumbling block to our walk with God, and in many cases, our relationships with others. And there is an appointed time when we need to confront this conflict, and decide. How do you describe it when you find yourself torn apart by the truth about yourself? I do not recall how the conversation finished or even if the preacher had insight into what was happening inside me. I did everything that I could to ensure that my eyes maintained a stoic look, but sometimes the body gives things away. The words from my discussion with the preacher repeated themselves inside my mind, heart and soul, and caused a deep wrestle around what was my primary to my originality, and what was secondary. It challenged me to my core. 